Welcome to the Stargate Archives, buried deep within Cheyenne Mountain. Greetings everybody, welcome to the latest episode of the Stargate Archives. Being recorded just before Christmas, so I want to give a special thank you to Brad for joining me this week. How are you, mate? Good, I was going to ask if we're going to date it by bringing up the C word, but nah, good. I do not worry about that anymore. This will probably <laughs> won't get released till about March sometime then. <laughs> I don't care anymore. Mm. That when I finish the first season of SG1, I might actually be quite happy with Gatecast Season 2 onwards, so then I might just go cherry-picking whatever episode I want to do that week. Yeah, start looking at the island episodes, like you discussed earlier. Right, this week we are going to be looking at Poor Eye. Not the most respected episode in Season 1 of SG1, it has to be said. Possibly another reason why it's going to be delayed in its release. <laughs> Yes, this was an episode I thought I may have to do myself because nobody seemed overly keen on doing it. Fortunately, Brad's a trooper and he was interested in recording with me again. It had been a while. And this was it, so he turned up and here we are. Yeah, well, there's some of these early episodes where you just don't go back to watch, especially in these first couple of seasons. And sometimes when you go back and look at episodes like we've done with Emancipation, they don't sort of appear to be as bad as you remember, but we'll get to this one in a moment. Before we start, I'll say hand on heart. Watching this in detail and taking notes, my estimation of the episode as a whole bumped up a few notches. Mm. All the key stuff you look for in episodes there, you got the smart little banter between Jack and Daniel still. We're off-world, we're in the Vancouver Highlands again, and <laughs> we've got Jafar at the end to fight, so... Yeah. Right then, Core Eye was first premiered January the 23rd, 1998. Written by Tom J. Astle, who went on to write the movies Get Smart and Failure to Launch. The episode was directed by Mario Azapardi, father of episodes of SG-1, which included Children of the Gods, and he also directed four episodes of Atlantis, before going on to direct Backstage, Dinotopia, and some episodes of The Outer Limits. Mm. This episode opens up with Lion, MGM of course, and we see a quick close-up of the Stargate. Obviously, off-world, we see a map painting in the background. It stands out a little <laughs> too much, unfortunately. But the mountain backdrop actually works, and that looks pretty good. That makes me wonder if that was actually filmed on location. Maybe not for this episode, but for one episode. Yeah, because it looks like they're a little bit higher up on the side of the valley because you've got that fog or that mist yeah. sort of clinging to the lower valley behind them, and that's one thing I definitely picked up on. If somebody mm. told me they filmed 30 seconds of footage during the knock, you know, one more misty morning, I'd believe them. Yeah. The actual building, that looked like a map painting, mm. where the mountain had the same texture, the same feel as the actual Stargate itself. Yep. Is this the first time we've seen the gate in a city location, and not just out in the woods away from a camp? Try, trying to remember back. Yeah, I think so. It's rare yeah. to have... The st well, it becomes less rare, it has to be said, but... Yeah. At this point, I think budget-wise, they're not going too big on... Uh, as we know, they had a purpose-built village. Mm. They may pay in every other episode. <laughs> uh, it's abandoned, and um, Pilk recognises the place, Chicago. Yep, Latin for Carthage. Daniel wants to know everything about it, instead of wondering why all the people have vanished, being inquisitive. In it turns out that this is uh, this is one of the planets that Poffus actually likes to cherry-pick his host from. Uh, Daniel points out that it's like he's talking about Brussels sprout. 
Yes, because Tilk says it's one of their favourite harvest well, spots to harvest. Yeah. So, come on, we're talking about people here, not Brussels sprout. <laughs> I hope for Tilk's sake he doesn't know what Brussels sprouts are. Yeah, be a nice little cut somewhere during a matter of time, not matter of time, window of opportunity where he's in the thing trying all the different food and Brussels sprouts oh. come up and then he <laughs> spits them back out in the plate. Yeah, that, that'd be actually work, wouldn't it? Actually trying to find out what you like, different, something different every day. Yeah. And the next scene is inside the building. It looks like some sort of meeting room. Initially, obviously I'm being coloured now, it looks like a courtroom. It really does look like a courtroom. Yeah. The way it's laid out. Yeah, you've got the special light sort of shining down on each barrister. Yeah. Or banister or... Either either works, really. Standing area. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're having a, a walk around. Everything looks peaceful then. As if by magic, natives appear with what looks like slingshots. Jack and the rest of us she won armed with MP5 and staff weapons are suddenly intimidated. Yeah, I've got the note here. This is the first, or I'm guessing the introduction of these types of crossbow slingshot bowcaster things. Seems to get into the hands of any and every uh, woodland villager later on in the series as well. <laughs> Very crude. There is some kind of shit. You know, it'd be almost like the Gwul to provide the populations that they oversee with some sort of weapon to protect themselves from wildlife and to hunt because you want them to be to multiply but up to mm. a point yeah you know you don't want them being killed off by the local wildlife if you can avoid it yeah and man naturally sort of gets the ability to hunt we find ways to kill things yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> we're very uh, clever when it comes to that sort of uh, technological leaps mm. well we get a standoff jack however pure professional Total eye contact with the the young guy who's aiming the the weapon at him. Speaking to Daniel makes you wonder if Dan, Jack assumes they understand English because obviously they haven't really come across many people that don't. Oh no, I must be from something else because I thought he said he told or asked Daniel, "Can you communicate with these people to tell them we're not afraid or something?" And then he says, "I can hear you." Yeah. Oh, because I just watched Rogue One. That's why. Sorry about. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, that basically serves two purposes. A, you're talking to you know your teammate, but you're hoping that the guy understands you, and you're saying things he needs to hear. Yeah, and it works. You know, they both say, you know, let's both lower our weapons, and you know, we can take it from there. All works out well. I mean, you know, the lads inspecting Sam and Daniel, they look okay, and of course, then he suddenly talk. <laughs> yeah. Although you you wonder why some of the other people weren't really a bit upset about a Jafar in the midst. Well, surely someone else would have seen him before this point and been yelling and screaming and yeah, already fired their weapon. There were people actually pointing the weapons surrounding Tilk. Only really when he said, oh, I recognise him. I know you. Yeah. Yeah, he should have walked in with one of those little arrow hats on where someone had already let a shot off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> something poking out his shoulder or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> only I do not want to wish to harm these people. <laughs> they start to get my patience. Jump to the opening credits and when we come back again in the middle of this standoff, the young man is named Hanno, played by David McNally. Played Simon in the SG-1 Demons and also in the Atlantis episode Epiphany. Mm-hmm. He has a very interesting speech about the rule of law and the traditions that these people operate under. It seems to be very strict or at least very culturally imprinted upon them. Mm. You know, he's angry. He recognises Tilk. You know, in his heart and soul, Tilk is responsible for his father's death, but he's going to operate under the rules of law, which is a lot of restraint. Yeah, and he even sort of apologises later that he sort of went off the handle a little bit too much here when first meeting him. I'd forgotten the time span. I thought it was a year or two ago when this all happened and not he was a child. Yeah. <laughs> You've got a good memory. 
it probably explains why you know there's only him really that remembers it. He yeah. was the only witness at the time because a lot of the people would have been saying, "I'm not looking. I'm just keeping my head, my eyes down." Yeah, the gods are talking. And how many times have they been harvested since? Where everyone else has got their own stories of misery and and that as well. There's probably some talks around a campfire at night, like, shut up, we've all yeah. lost someone. Yeah, we know your dad got killed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we get rid of that goddamn walking stick. We all know the story. Yeah, yeah. he's not coming back. Uh, we move outside. Meet the elders. Yeah, seems to be, uh, what was it, a matriarchal society. Of one. There were a couple Elder. more. They seem to come in threes, at least. <laughs> we see later the three younger women who actually go to... Uh, Talk to Tilt later. We get at least mm. one of the older women who seems to be in charge, maybe the leader of the village or something like that. Yeah, but everyone sort of, as they come outside, everyone's emerging back from the forest again. And Daniel wonders if it's some sort of religious event. Or a swap meet. Yeah, Jack's <laughs> like, why is it always a religious thing with you? <laughs> maybe that a swap meet, which is a weird one to throw out there, but okay. That is one of the beauties of this episode. You know, Jack and Daniel do have a go at each other. Mm-hmm. You think the writers thought you maybe thought this episode is a little weak. We need to spice things up a bit. Let's have team conflict. Yeah. But again, this is one of the reasons why the gate is so close to the gathering place, the market. Tactical retreat. When something happens, they scarper. Yep. Treat caves have got in the hills. Yep. Which are very difficult to find, which makes you wonder what sort of scanning technology the gold actually operate on their little away missions. <laughs> it's the Ewoks all over again. Yeah, it is. Those of lesser technology can just disappear. and Well, especially if the, the serpent go with those big red eyes, you'd think there'd be some sort of scanning technology there, but we've never seen or learned of anything from it. You definitely would have thought, as we saw in the movie, that Ra's, Jafar, especially Anubis, their very high technology headdresses would have had something mm. like that. Even the hosts take over, most of them being from villages like this should know how to hunt. So the ghoul should be able to use that hunting instinct and follow footprints and stuff like that anyway, but then there'll be no one left for a story. That is true, yep. <laughs> Daniel is puzzled again by the mix of Greek and Latin languages, or derivatives anyway. That's a puzzle that is never really addressed, or <laughs> that just mm. kind of goes by the wayside. Yep, but the elders tell them to leave. Leave now. Yes, you may go. Oh, short episode. Yeah. Come on, Tilk. Not Tilk. <laughs> he's no, not, he's not going. <laughs> yes, this is where we get full accusation. The approach makes an appearance. We get the flashback <laughs> to the murder, the killing, the execution, which, whichever one you want to actually label it with. Yeah, it's the first of a couple flashbacks. Yeah, at, at that point you start worrying. Flashback episode. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a problem with the flashbacks on you. Mm. You know, when you start having flashbacks, of previous episodes, this early in the season, you think, hey, we're in for it here. Yeah, well, especially later on when we get to the hearing, I was, I was certainly waiting for flashbacks to <laughs> Children of the Gods and that again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They decide that Tilk is going to remain in custody. They strip him of his field jacket, take his staff weapon. I was a bit puzzled where the staff weapon go. Because if I was Jack, I'd make sure, hey, I want that. You're not keeping it. Yeah. SGC property. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> they take Tilt to an underground cell. Uh, as dungeons go, it's light, it's airy, <laughs> it's dry. They will certainly be staying in worse over the next few seasons. Mm-hmm. Going to organise the jailbreak. Tilk, oh no, definitely not. That will disrespect the Bursa, which is the name of this people. Jack is a bit... <laughs> Jack's not having any of this. Well, that's it, because Daniel's saying it's, oh, it's just probably going to be a simple hearing. They're going to try him and that's it. But Jack's like, yeah, it could be a simple beheading as well. It's, again, them sort of 
expecting the best and not having any any doubts or any expectations of what could possibly happen, as we see later on. Poor I actually means at this point. No. It could literally be an accounting, and then these people obey the rule of law, traditional, they seemed polite in every other way. It could be that Tilk has to make amends by building a house or something. But, <laughs> you know, Jack doesn't want to take any chances. Whereas Daniel, the voice of the diplomat, is saying, you know, we've got to play this through. And there's always the option of military force if everything goes pear-shaped. Mm. But for now, let's play by their rules, which you would expect if somebody went to the States or work, they'd play by your rules. Yeah. You're the away team. Exactly. Right, this is when uh, three women approach the cell. The young woman, she's going to be uh, the Jafar's voice. There's a bit of confusion again until they realise that she's there to take his confession. <laughs> his voice is just fine. <laughs> yeah, so there's, uh, there's, there's no innocent till proven guilty in uh, in this community. And she points out, look, he's guilty. Otherwise, there wouldn't be a trial, a core eye. Hmm. Uh, logical, but... Uh, and then Jack steps in and goes, Nat will do it, or he'll do it. And Jackson suggests that maybe he'd be better, because uh, Jack's more of an antagonist. Yeah, not, not much of a <laughs> diplomat. Yeah. no. For all Jack knows, the voice of the Jafar could suffer some fate as well. Exactly. I mean, the woman doesn't look too happy about the job, and she looks rather relieved when she gets relieved of the job. Mm-hmm. So y- you really don't know. Yeah, you face the sentence that you, the person you're defending suffers as well. But they're all free to decide to do it eventually. Yeah, co-counsels. Yeah. Right, cut back to the, well, I suppose you could call it a hall for now. Now, though, you, you see it. There's a gallery, there's docks, there's benches. We get some very nice music, a little boom-boom going on all the time. Mm-hmm. That seems, you know, a little ominous. This isn't going to be... Well, it is actually a, quite a friendly trial as trials go, but there's a... It's not all sunshine and roses, let's put it that way. No, and once again, here we are, pushing our views onto another culture where we learn that the young man is the judge. Yeah, yeah. the yeah. young man is overseeing it, and doing all the accusing. I think. Oh, no, you can't do that. Yeah, I think the older woman there is just to kind of to make sure that everything's done according to custom. Yeah. You know, if somebody should overstep the bounds of what they consider polite and respectful. Mm-hmm. But no, we say, no, he needs to be impartial, impartial. But if he's impartial, then he doesn't doesn't enact the full law. When, when you think about it, if you can change the mind of somebody who thinks you're guilty to begin with, you've probably done your job well. Yeah, that's a well-paid day. Yeah, it's like when you go to uh, a trial, you know, have you got any opinion about this? As they're saying here, yes, of course you've got an opinion. You're an intelligent being. You know, mm. you may not care either way, but you have an opinion. And it may be up to either the defence or the prosecution in our sort of trial to alter that opinion. Here, the only opinion that matters is Hanno's. Yeah. This is the point where he actually goes up to Tilk and apologises for his overreaction when he first met him. Mm. And that kind of speaks volumes for the society. This seems to be a very good society. They have a rigid law when it comes to maybe only homicide or something like that. They may not, you know, Korai might not be there for somebody stealing vegetables. Yeah. Although Korai might cover every crime possible where, you know, the injured party says, oh, uh, just, you know, I'll take a couple of pound potatoes in uh, recompense. I can just imagine everyone gathering here because someone stole an apple. (laughs) (laughs) You have stolen from me for the last time. Yeah, this this sort of trial, though, doesn't need evidence like that, though. I saw him do it, Your Honour. (laughs) Fair enough. Like I say, Jack stands up, objection, makes himself look a bit of a fool. They kind of do rub it quite a bit, that, you know, as you want to bring in their beliefs onto this culture. 
always a no-no, doesn't always work out very well. It makes them look idiots when they are being treated with a lot of respect and dignity themselves. Yeah, just got one note here, sit down, Jack. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> You're not helping. No. This is where Daniel really would have been better at taking the lead. Yep. Hanno approaches Tilk, remember me? Tilk actually admits that he does. I killed your father. Right, job done. <laughs> Hang him tomorrow, Jim. Yep. But then again, you think, well, yeah, we know Tilk was first prime Pophis. We know that he served his time in the Jafar legions. The Jafar legions are both used to fight other Jafar under other system lords, but also to kill, maim, kidnap anybody that his system lord tells him to. Oh, yeah. Tilk has blood on his hands. We know that. Yeah, this story could be told for all 200 episodes of the show. <laughs> yeah. It wouldn't be very good, but this is sort of, and as Tilk acknowledges later, this is him sort of standing up for the atrocities he's done, good and bad. Yeah, this is the point where the writers probably thought, we need to address this at some point. This is always going to be in our back pocket. An episode where Tilk has to face his crimes, not only to justify to his, his wife and his son and to any Jafar he tries to recruit, he's got to face what he's done. Hmm. Jack isn't pleased, of course. Are you trying to commit suicide? No, he's not, but he's trying to atone. He has conscience, he has guilt. He wants to make amends. If this means this day hits on this planet to this person, so be it. Yeah, because he says later, like, he'll probably never see his wife and child again, so he's sort of... He hasn't got a lot to live for at this point. Yes, they've killed Apophis. Well, they think he's dead anyway, but he hasn't really achieved much of the freedom that he was hoping for for his people anyway. This is where also we get interesting look into Jack's perception of chain of command. Mm. Going about, you follow the orders of your, your superiors, you do things that you're not proud of, but he kind of leaves out the bit about, you hoping all military, but that's not the way it is, but in military, in democracies, yes, you follow the chain of the command, but you're not expected to follow an unlawful command. Mm. That is where the individual soldier onus is on them. You're entitled yeah, to round protesters up and lock them away. You're not supposed to walk up to them and put a bullet in the back of the head. Yeah, that's it. Even if you're told to by your general, you're not supposed to do it. Yeah, one side fighting the other's one thing or special ops and that, but if you're going in and killing women and children when there's no need to or stuff, or being ordered to, I should say. Slightly different thing. Yeah, that's unfortunately why there's such a, a grey area in the conflicts of the, the last decade or so of the last century in this one. Yeah. Too many orders being given which are resulting in the deaths of women and children justified for the sake of getting one particular individual. Mm. The question is always going to be raised when the soldier or the pilot presses the button and the bomb drops. Who really is to blame? Yeah. Right, so Daniel explains that, you know, the core is pretty much done and dusted. Tilk is guilty. This is all more about finding a sentence. It, if you accept that Tilk is guilty, you've got to argue mitigating circumstances or something like that. Yep, Tilt done the wrong thing. Now we've got to prove that the wrong thing wasn't as bad as he thinks it is. Yeah, <laughs> As it looks to everybody in the village. Yep. So, Daniel, we roll Daniel out, and we get the story of Sharae. <laughs> mm. Yes, Tilt chose her, Tilt kidnapped her, Tilt was present when she was abused and implanted. But he's my friend now. It's all good. Yeah, I hate him for it <laughs> yeah. at the start, but... I learned to live with. Yeah, because we followed the journey, we understand everything Daniel is saying. I'm not sure that a lot of the villagers can actually comprehend that sort of mindset. Yeah, as an example of how he's changed, okay, but try and win them over, it's not 
how about, how about you tell them the story about how you saved your planet from Apophis and Chlorol attacking or something? Well, they will do, but not yet. Yeah. It's Sam's turn. She tells the story of how he actually rebelled against his fellow Jafar, turned his weapons on them, how he kind of lost his family at that point. Again, it may be swaying a few people in the crowd, but doesn't really matter. The only person who's going to make this decision is Hanno. And, well, it ain't working. No. So they have a recess and Daniel goes walkabout. He meets the young woman again in the market. She explains how this village operates. The market is where they all meet every day, you know, all interact. This isn't where they sleep. They have hidden tunnels and passageways where if anybody comes through the gate, they scarper to. Mm-hmm. And they never leave anybody behind. Which is interesting, but I suppose you could argue that it's better to find everybody than only have a few stragglers. Because if Jafar gets hold of a few stragglers, where are the rest of them? Yeah, and they've got <laughs> they've got torture techniques, I'm sure. Simple yeah. villager would break pretty easily. That kind of gives Daniel a bit of an idea. Hmm. Tilk is talking about that he was ordered by Apophis to select one person when the last came... Well, not when the last came to this planet, when Tilk last came to this planet. Yep. Dialogue through flashback. Yes. We see that they rounded up a few of the natives. I'm not sure if they were offering any active resistance. It just seemed like Apophis wanted to make an example of somebody. Yeah, because that obviously this group had slowed or been left behind because they were waiting for the old man. And maybe maybe kill one as a torture, don't run when we get here. Yeah, so they said that the community was broken down into clans, so it could have been just his clan. Yep. And by clan, immediate family. Which explain why the sun's there. Yeah. Apophis orders Tilk to kill one of them. Tilk doesn't immediately obey orders. Yeah, which would be a... I think Apophis showed a lot of restraint. Yeah, kill my number one. You shouldn't be hesitating at all. I'm just giving you this job. (laughs) Come on. But it basically underlines it. Look, kill one or kill them all. We see Tilt looking around, focus on one man with a crutch. He's looking at Tilt straight in the eye and his hands outreaching. At this point, is he pleading for his life? Is he begging for his life? Yeah, that's that's what I was trying to think of at this time too. Seeking mercy or is he saying, do, me, do it to me? I'm the reason everyone's here. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, if, if it had picked his crutch up and swung it at Tilt, that would have made it easier for him. But then again, it wouldn't have worked that way. He'd have fallen over <laughs> I don't know. I honestly don't know what the guy hoped to achieve, assuming that he'd get some sort of compassion from uh, Jafar, Mm. unless he saw something in Tilt's eyes. We have seen in Children of the Gods when Tilt was observing Poffus and his wife choose the next host. Yeah. There was revulsion in his eyes, probably where it all began. Oh, well, and that's it. And he sort of asked later, why didn't you rebel here or revolt here like you did on Chulak? And couldn't at the time, so... Unfortunately, he was waiting for the time when his rebellion would serve a purpose and be successful. Yeah. It may be you, you have to wait for a time when people are willing to listen. Yeah. And I was saying, Children of the Gods, Tilk said himself, many people have claimed that they could defeat the gods. You were the first person I believe could do it. Because you had a wristwatch. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it was more than that. <laughs> so basically, he kills Hanno's father. Those staff blasts give off a lot of smoke. <laughs> he just disappears in a cloud of white smoke. <laughs> Even though, as we see, Daniel makes a make a good argument that Tilk chose the weakest member of the party. It was for benefit of the entire group. Hanno is just not convinced. He, you killed my dad. Yeah, Daniel's whole defense of, well, if he didn't kill one of you... Some of you might not be alive today. <laughs> Some of them aren't alive today, even with the actions he took yep. to the later harvest. It's an argument that might work in a jury 
jury situation if you got 12 people that hadn't lost anybody in the last decade or so. Yeah. Unfortunately, again, as we keep saying, he's only got one person to convince. And while Hanno, again, gracious, it was a wise argument, it was moving, it was compelling. I want him killed tomorrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you die at noon. Yeah, oh, midday, thank you. <laughs> I'll get breakfast and lunch before you uh, kill me. And you'll be killed with your own weapon. Ah, that's why you kept it. So yeah, I imagine and... those catapults would might take a long time unless you're a really good shot. Yeah, he comes up with the impossible thing. He can talk actions, good or bad, bring back his father. <laughs> no, of course they can't. Well, he's going to die for it. Yeah. You go, oh, okay. Mm. Right, Jack has gone back to Earth to get reinforcements. Yeah. Daniel is not very happy about this. Jack doesn't give a monkeys. He just wants to show force and not necessarily pull the trigger. Yeah, he came through the gate, uh, the scene before, told the general, I need, you know, kind of a strike team. Hmm. General, no problem. Only afterwards that it's explained to General Hammond, who's not quite so happy now. Yeah. When the actual events are retold, General Hammond isn't too keen on, as he put it, the United States is not in the business of interfering in other people's affairs. <laughs> and the whole, whole TV audience laugh. And even Jack is the voice of reason. When's that stopped us? Yeah. What? Since this president was elected. I'm sorry, oh, yeah. but no matter who stood in the White House, American commercial interests are supported by the Pentagon. Mm. Just like British colonial interests were supported by the British Majesty's and His Majesty's armed forces. The way of the world. Yeah, well, we just don't know what the world is at this point in time in the series, so they might not have a conflict they're going at at the moment, but give it a few months, there'll be something that pops up. <laughs> <laughs> there always is, unfortunately. Yeah, but then even to go as far as saying Tilk's not even a US citizen, we can't start a war over this and that he's a war criminal. Yeah, I totally understand General Hammond's point of view. He points out something to Jack that Jack knows, but is willing to overlook that Tilk has slaughtered innocent, unarmed men, women and children. He's done that. Hmm. No question at all. No matter what his change of heart, how useful he is, that has to be addressed. Yeah. He's done things, terrible things, under orders. And there are regimes that consider Colonel Jack O'Neill a war criminal. The Hague might even do so if some of the Black Ops information ever got out. Yeah. Not to mention when we meet the Russians later. <laughs> <laughs> and mm. again, this is where Jack and the General, you know, really lose it a bit. Mm-hmm. It gets hot in there. Yeah. <laughs> the writer's thinking, we've got to shove a bit more, you know, raise the temperature a bit, because A, is just ticking along. Yeah. And that's all the voice of the writers here through Hammond's dialogue, because he says it was bound to turn up or come into effect eventually, where we're going to come across someone and who's not going to like what Tilk done. And here it is. Because Jafar lived so long, he's had plenty of time to, you know, boots on grounds over thousands, well, dozens and dozens of worlds. Hmm. It's just to be so useful if Tilk could identify gate addresses before they went through. Yeah. <laughs> Save a bit of time. Uh, lads, I, be- mm. I better, I've got to sit this one out. Don't ask. Mm. <laughs> Although, from memory, this is the last one of him being accused of a crime. We're loads just not you're a Jafar. And it's just sort of more random Jafar acts than what Tilk actually done, so. Yeah. Right, we jump back to the planet, into the cell. <laughs> then three then three ladies are back. Till is a big specimen compared to the rest of the natives. I'm not yeah. saying they, they're enjoying themselves with the uh, death ritual paint they're applying to his body, but it must be different from what they're used to. I had to look twice here. I kept on, because I was only watching on my iPad, I kept on thinking that paint on his chin was the, the little bit of hair he gets in season four. I'm like, <laughs> no, we're not, wait, this is season one, isn't it? <laughs> Probably looked at that and thought, oh, that gives me an yeah. idea. That does. Quite amused how some of the paint kind of followed the contours of his muscle definition as well. 
<laughs> yeah, does the same paint go on with a overly large gentleman as well? <laughs> Are those contours there? I don't know. Points out that you know, Tilk, you did something terrible, but you don't deserve to die. Tilk is a little bit unconv- unconvinced. Uh, we jump back to the SGC. General Hammond has made another plea to the president. The president has said no, there'll be no intervention. Doesn't stop Jack from going back. Would you not take his weapon from him before he goes back? <laughs> mm. You know it's a direct order, do not interfere, and he's like... Yes, Maybe sir. sending a diplomatic team or something like that. Yeah, or you just hoped that Carter would pull him back. Yeah, right. <laughs> mm. Yeah, so they step through the Stargate. The local surroundings look a little bit... Looks like they've had a really good party. Yeah, a wild night. Yeah, unfortunately, they see some Jaffar... Luckily, they uh, jump between some pillars. The Jafar, with their incredibly bad peripheral vision, failed to spot them. <laughs> Luckily, no one heard the gate open. No, that is true. I do like the fact, though, that the Jafar actually spotted his shadow. Yeah. Clever. Not completely dumb. Yeah. I mean, you could even tell it was an MP5 in his hand. That yeah. was a very well-defined shadow. <laughs> Unfortunately, the Jafar, instead of alerting all his mates, decided to have a peek himself. Yeah. And again, peripheral vision, he walks right past Jack. Yeah, and then Jafar tipping. It wasn't even subtle hiding by Jack, he was just standing behind the column. Mm. This was brutal, even though they don't see it. You see a little flinch on Sam's face when Jack knives the guy. Yeah. I even rewound it just to make sure I didn't hear the sound of the helmet being raised, so he could get access to his neck, so I assume he went straight for the pouch. Yeah, well, well he was lying down on his belly when he fell. Did he roll over on his back? Kind of on his side. Oh, okay. you, could, you could tell his faceplate was down. Jack kind of venting his feelings, uh, you could say. <laughs> Obviously, now we uh, see one of the hiding places. Hanno is there, Tilk is there, so they got him out of the, the jail cell. Luckily, as Jack says, think positive, Sam. Hanno is still sceptical. I love the fact that he went to a little lad. If I get killed, I still want him to die tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Come on. I mean, seriously. Innocence of a child. Nods, no problem. I assume that he is a member of the same clan. Yeah. Obviously been raised on the tale of Hanno's father in the crutch. Yeah. I'm glad we see a child here because not many of the villagers seem to be that young. No, no, they don't, do they? No. So maybe in recent years the uh, Jafar have been there to take children or teenagers. It could be that the younger children stay in the hiding places. Yeah. Because I can't believe everybody in the village goes to this little market every day. It's not that big a market. No. And there needs to be a little bit more genetic diversity in this community. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure earlier when Daniel's talking to that lady that she actually says they stay or sleep in the cave, so... Yeah. Yeah, they come down to the market, do their trading and whatever else. I imagine the cave is a lot more ornate and developed than what we're thinking of. Yeah. More like an underground compound with sleeping quarters, kitchens and all sorts. Which is just odd, yeah. It'd have to be something different because... Here's this tent fort area in the middle of the town. Well, not even a town. It's a three-story high courthouse. <laughs> it's the only structure. Solid structure there anyway. Basically something built next to the gate, isn't it? Yeah. It's almost like, say, look, we put something near the gate and it will really go beyond this area. Yeah. You know, if yeah. they find what they want here, job done. So the one permanent external structure we're going to build is this meeting hall. Mm. Yeah, I wonder how many times people have been left in that cage when an attack's come. Yeah. That's your fight. Only took an apple. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mate. Right, so one of the Jafar comes walking up, and it's Shikal. Well, that's why I had to do a double take before, because you said they were all hiding out in the cave, which they look like, and then all of a sudden they're all sitting in the middle of the port area, aren't they? 
because we get the the pre Jafar walk in, and the thump 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 doesn't match up at all to the them walking yeah. up the stairs. It's really noticeable there. I think, unfortunately, everybody was inside the meeting hall. That lost them 30 seconds of getting out of the way. Well, they probably didn't hear the gate open. That could be it as well, yes. If they'd been in the market as per normal, everybody would have got away. But then you'd think there'd have to be some sort of horn or some sort of trumpet or warning. We hear the bells toll every time the court opens and closes, so maybe maybe one bell rings means get the hell out. Well, this is all Hanno's fault, let's admit it. Yeah. Yeah, we get Shackle. Oh, he's delighted. Delighted to see Tilk. Because after what happened on the Knox planet, yeah. you know, he's a, oh, great, this, this will solidify my my role as first prime. So even though he's got the emblem, as we pointed out in the Knox, everybody had a gold emblem. Yeah, yeah. They must all have been vying for the job. Yeah, try out. Yeah, we're going on missions. The last one standing is first prime. Mm-hmm. Unless you do really, really well. Like, bring me Tilk. Yeah. So, Jacal, brilliant. And then he's dead. Yeah. He could have been a a nice little antagonist throughout the season, but anyway. Yeah, a knife that the young boy gave him, good lad, straight Mm -hmm. into the gut, straight through the symbiote, rummage around, cut, slash, slash, dig deep, dig deep. Tilk even goes, I'm sorry, which is fair because Chekow used to be a friend. Mm -hmm. And then he grabs a staff weapon and shoots another friend in the back. Yep. Yay, Tilk. (laughs) Save the day. Uh, you can say, God bless him. He stands up and then offers the, uh, the staff for Hover and says, it's time for me to die, it's noon. Yeah. This is either the biggest gamble in Tilk's life or so much integrity and honour, it defies belief. Yeah. I love you too. They've got the bandage around his stomach, which saves the CG or the prosthetic <laughs> budget a little bit. Oh, well, let's not forget that one of the Jafar take a prisoner and then another another one grabs a kid and aims his staff weapon at the kid. So Tilk is confused. Which one should I save? Which one should I save? And he takes a flying leap. He supermans across the room, <laughs> gets hit by a half weapon blast, and still manages to take down one of the Jafar and save the children. Yeah. Bloody hero. Yep. <laughs> Hanno is perplexed. He's seen what Tilk is willing to do. As you say, Tilk has surrendered himself to him. I'm all yours. Yeah, Hanno says, you know, why would you save those who wish to kill you? And as he points out, I say people that, you know, kind of deserve to be saved. Yeah. And this is when we get the twist, which is pretty much what Daniel's been working up to all along. Let's see, were the prequels out? No, we probably weren't. I was just thinking, this this is very Anakin Skywalker. Mm. You're not the same man that murdered my father. You killed him. And I'm thinking, oh my God, this is, this is Darth Vader's <laughs> being, yeah, redemption story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. My memory is, must be a little bit fuzzy. You, you killed the man that I remember. I'm thinking, I know, you don't have to justify it. You can just say, let him go. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to explain yourself to anybody. No. But it was the only way out of this predicament, and I think both parties acted honourably. Mm. It took a while for Hanno to realise that he was still living in the past, as you know, with his emotions when he lost his father, even though when the logic of the situation was explained to him, he couldn't really adjust his mindset. It's only afterwards when he saw Tilk fighting for the British people, actually throwing himself in the line of fire. That was the only thing that convinced him that this isn't the same man that killed my father 20 years ago. Yeah, well, at this point, he'd only heard stories, and he'd probably know that stories and wishful thinking and that can only go so far, but to actually see him in action and have his own life saved. Yeah, nothing like being judged upon what you do, not what you say. Yeah. 
And <laughs> Jack even says, oh, we can offer you some aid. We can help you defend yourselves. How? Build an iris? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're you going to give them weapons? Or are you going to move them off planet? What are you going to do? Yeah. But they don't worry about that. No. And, you know, we kind of get we kind of get a happy ending. SG-1 return home. We've made some new friends. Granted, they got pretty much nothing they can offer us. I'm not sure the Pentagon will be pleased if they've just been laboured with another expenditure. Yeah. <laughs> we hear we've got another Mercy mission, if something yeah. ever happens. And that's kind of where the episode closes. And to be honest, like I said, if you take away probably three quarters of the episode and just leaves the argument that's being made about responsibility on actions on, on the battlefield, operating within civilian populations, what somebody of military standing is expected to do, how they have to balance what is legal, what is right, what is proper, the decisions they make, how they look to people on the outside. There was a good episode there. Mm. It just kind of wasn't backed up as a whole, even with some fantastic dialogue between Daniel and everybody. I lost my train of thought now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and maybe it's just the courtroom stuff that's sort of... But then this is going back after 10 seasons and going, OK, well, this is not the first and definitely not the last time we'll see this, where we need to defend someone, one of our team members on trial. Kangaroo Court, as Jack calls it. Maybe it's just so much of him want, just wanting to die. It's like, come on, Tilt, be a bit smarter about this. Yes, you've done some bad things, but you don't have to seemingly sacrifice yourself just because one person's finally turned around and said, hey, I know you. Yeah, to be fair, that kind of came out of nowhere. Mm. It was understandable, and I, I totally accept all the reasoning that Till gave. They never really went down that path until now, and it was rather abrupt. Yeah, and as we said earlier, and as Hammond said, it was only a matter of time before this coming around and bit him in the butt and sort of, okay, well, you've got this one chance where you're going to cover this subject. No, it shouldn't have been a two-parter, but you probably could have changed it around a bit more. I'm trying to think of an example, and I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Not to worry, though. Core Eye was never an episode that was favoured by the fan base as a whole, but it certainly wasn't as bad as some people have made out. No. Okay then, folks, that was Core Eye. The next episode, whenever that will be, is going to be Enigma. I hope you can join me for that. Brad, would you like to give some of your podcasting information? Still pumping them out. Um, TheLostWorldMinute.com is where we're doing the uh, main David are doing The Lost World Jurassic Park one minute at a time. And um, Transformers Collectors Club Australia is still running over here. And uh, you can find us there at uh, TransformersCCA.com. I've even got me and Little Tacker doing a little podcast at the moment as well. So, <laughs> and that's uh, Transformers Legends. Right. He wanted to get online and do some of that. And I thought, well... Can't have you doing the main show because it's more adult. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do our own little five, ten minute jokes. Keep him happy. Yeah. Let him show off all the stuff he buys. Lovely. Right. If you want to get in touch with us, feel free to do so. You can email us at stargatearchives at gmail.com. Our website is stargatearchives.com. We are on Facebook and Google Plus. And on Twitter, you can find us at The Gatecast. Next week, as I said, man, I shouldn't keep saying that because it's not going to be next week. <laughs> not going to be next week. It's going to be Enigma. Hope you join us for that. Brad, thank you very much. Uh, my pleasure, man. As always. Until next week. Until next time. <laughs> I've been Mike. And I've been Brad. Take care. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.